Blog Talk Radio. Oh, welcome out there to Off the Shelf and Blog Talk Radio and Rainbow Soul and iTunes and so many ways I always say that people connect to Off the Shelf. But before we begin today's show, I just want to start with this thought. I'm thinking about just starting the show with with a quote. And uh, today's thought that I want to leave with you is from Simone de, I hope I'm saying the right name correctly, Simone de Beauvoir. And it is, I tore myself away from the safe comfort of certainties through my love for truth, and truth rewarded me. It is something to think about. I tore myself away from the safe comfort of certainties through my love for truth, and truth rewarded me. And, yes, I want to tell you that you are listening to the Winning Book Radio Show off the shelf. And welcome to our Saturday, July 21st. You guys, in a few weeks here in Georgia, they'll be going back to school. I feel like they just got out of school. But that's how fast time goes, and that's another reason why you can either hunker down in the safe comfort of certainties and your life will just repeat, repeat, repeat. Hundred days from now will seem just like today. If you if you if you're hunting for certainties, it'll just keep replaying over and over. You'll say, thousand days from now, man, I feel like I lived this day before, and it'll be similar unless you tear away from those safe, comfort, and certainties and let truth reward you. So, again, I want to welcome you to our Saturday, July 21st show, and thank you for joining us. We have an awesome, talented author, motivational speaker, life coach on deck for you today, and there's a lot that you can learn from her and the other writers in the anthology that we're going to highlight during today's Off the Shelf show, especially if you're somebody who's looking to rise from the ashes, which also fits in the quote, not only rise from the ashes, but if you're ready to start something new and you don't even after you get into newness, you don't want to go back into a place where you're just repeat, repeat, repeat. And it's a very, very tempting thing for us to fall into. But before we get into the show and I introduce to you our amazing guest, I wanted to ask you how good of a mystery sleuth are you? Are you good? Like if you watch an Agatha Christie, I saw an Agatha Christie movie uh, about a year ago, and I kept trying to figure out who did it. I just wanted to know before they got to the end of the movie and revealed it. And I think I got it right, but I kept switching off and on on who, who did it. But part of enjoying the movie, I wasn't just watching it. I was trying to figure out who did it before it was revealed. So if that, you're one of those types of people who likes to figure out what just what happened, who did it before it ends. And if you also value relationships, and when we think of relationships, we often think of a, a, a couple relationship, whether they're boyfriend, girlfriend, or, or marital spouse. But also, psychologists will tell you, the relationships that impact us the most are the ones from our childhood, our parents, our, our, our grandparents, if you had another caretaker, the people you saw in your childhood, whether they did loving things or abusive or unkind things, that's what really sticks. And I was reading a stat yesterday, and it said that the happiest people, very simply, they they study people with money, people struggling with money. 
the number one thing are the people with the best relationships. Those are the ones that are happiest, and they also are the healthiest people, the best relationships. So if you value relationships, particularly complicated relationships, and you like to see how we change each other, we change each other and help each other to awaken, and you also love mysteries, I encourage you to go out and get a copy of Love Pour Over Me. And if you don't see it on your store or library shelves, just ask the clerk, could they please order a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney for you because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. But you can get it in ebook or print format. So, again, I encourage you to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me today and let me know how you enjoyed the book. And now... Now we've come to that special time. Let us come and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our special guest this morning is Paulette Harper. And for our loyal listeners who've been with us for 13 years, you've heard her name before. And even if you haven't met her on off-the-shelf, she's an amazing guest. She does so much work that I would be surprised if you haven't heard the name Paulette Harper. Now, Paulette is an author. She's an ordained elder, public speaker, coach, and book promoter. And books that Paulette has written include Completely Whole, Secret Places Revealed, Living Separate Lives, Princess Nevaeh, that's a children's book, and that was then, this is now, that's her only children's book that I'm aware of. And her latest work, is an inspirational anthology, and the title of that book is Arise from the Ashes. Now, Paula's works have appeared in several media outlets, including CBN, Black Pearls Magazine, The Sacramento, and The Sacramento Observer. So please visit her online. She kept it real simple, you guys. And her website is paulettharper.com, and that's P A U L E. T-T-E-H-A-R-P-E-R.com. Again, that's P as in Paul, A-U-L-E-T-T-E-H-A-R-P-E-R.com. PaulettHarper.com. Let's give her a warm, warm off-the-shelf welcome. A welcome to off-the-shelf, Miss Paulette. Hey there, Miss Denise. How are you? I'm so honored to be on the show again. We always enjoy having you on your good gifts, and you always you have so much going. I can remember when our paths first crossed. I think you were really maybe just starting out in the book industry, and I'm going back years. It you've come out of like, and maybe it was a little uncertainty going back to that quote uh, that you were coming out of. Now you feel it's like you're confident, and you all the way in. At some point, of course, as we keep trusting our so our creator or God, you, something gonna start pinging you to start looking to go on a different, do something else. It could be in writing, it could be, but that's just the goodness of life. We have to expand. We don't get to stay where we are forever. But I'm just thinking about your journey so far, and it's been an amazing journey from where I've sat and watched it. And it's again a pleasure to have you here this morning with us. For off-the-shelf listeners, Paulette, this might be the first time they're hearing of Paulette Harper. They, they, so if if you could just give a little backstory for those who this might be the first introduction to to you, can you tell our off-the-shelf listeners 
where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up. Sure, definitely. And, yeah, you are correct. When I first uh, connected with you, it was with my first book that was in This Is Now and um, into where I am now has been, like you said, it's been real amazing. Um, I grew up in um, Northern California. I am a product of eight children, the youngest. And so um, my yeah, my background really is having that family unit. And then um, my mom was a single mom, and so raising all of us um, was, um, for her, of course, she had her challenges, but I saw her, you know, do some amazing things with what she had. And so um, my journey of writing really came from just life experiences and then, um, you know, coming out of a divorce and, and, and writing to share my story, and that's where we first met. And since then, um, you know, I've been able to just really increase and grow in writing and, um, you know, adding other books to my to my resume and just been able to do and launch out and do other things in the area of um, of writing. You, I, I'm telling you, I, I feel blessed because I've come in from um, with you from the not, almost the beginning, like you just said, and I've seen the growth, and it, it is amazing. I'm glad I asked you that question. I forgot you were from California. Eight, one of eight. Oh my goodness! <laughs> now you have a very that's probably where you get your tenacity and your persistence from. Now, you have a strong business and marketing sense, and a lot of creatives don't have that. But where where do you where did you get that from, that strong business marketing sense? You come across a very busy, a professional. I'm just curious, you're also creative. Where did you get the business marketing uh, acumen from? Um, thank you very much for that compliment. You know, when I wrote my first book, um, I realized that the publisher was going to market my book, but not the way in, in which I felt it needed to be. And so with that, that just really sparked me to be able to even have a desire to really want to, you know, promote my own work, and that's really what I did. And so I followed a trailblazer and saw the places in which she was, you know, promoting her book and marketing her book, and I saw how, how she was moving in the industry. And so I, you know, just copied that. And so with that, there were things and um, places that I wanted to appear online. And so those are the avenues where I pursued, whether it was magazine or blogs, um, being on different radio shows. So I tried to capitalize on the online exposure as quickly as I could, and I was able to do that very successfully. And so that just really launched me to be able to market and promote my own books so that it gave me the opportunity to where I am today where I can market and promote other authors as well. Man, you don't mind learning, which is a, which is also a very good thing, just to open yourself to continue to learn and to learn. You watch, so you watch somebody else. Um, there's a uh, Maxine Thompson told me that she somebody took her under their wing and she learned uh, from them as well. That's what a good thing. Uh, 
in years I've struggled with stubbornness. That's a, a reason not to be stubborn. <laughs> so you can learn, you can learn, be open to learning. That's how you grow because none of us knows everything. Okay, you're from California. One of eight, which I find amazing now, people have small families, but what did you dream of becoming, one of eight? And where are you in there? Are you the baby in the family? As far as for the next question, I'm getting ready to ask you: Are you the youngest, the oldest? You in the middle? Yeah, I'm actually the baby in the family. And when I was growing up, I just, you know what, aspired to be a teacher. I think during that time and in that, you know, that era. All we saw really were, you know, either you were a homemaker, you were a teacher, or, you know, of of that, you know, of that caliber. And I was no different. You know, I thought, okay, I'll just grow up, I'll be a, you know, I'll be a teacher. And not really, you know, knowing that, that, you know, God had a different purpose and a different plan for my life. And so being that I was the youngest, um, I saw, you know, my siblings go off to school. I saw them working. I saw them establishing themselves, you know, not as a writer or an author, but in other, you know, industries. And so I was able to um, expand my horizon as far as my knowledge and learning other aspects outside of just wanting, you know, to possibly be be a teacher. So you that's what I was going to ask you, if, if curious, if as where you were in the in the, in your family, because as the baby, you you got to see your parents, your grandparents, aunts, uncles, and your siblings step out and do stuff, and then you could say without you having to try it. Eh, I don't think I really want to do that. So I just that, that was one of one of the reasons. But you're right. Back then, especially as a woman, the opportunities that women have now, from when I was a little girl, what women were doing, it's like a whole nother world. Like a whole nother world. I'm telling you, when I look back to my childhood, women generally didn't even work out of the home. And if you did, you were doing like a, maybe a maid, or mm. and this is regardless of race. You were, uh, mm-hmm. uh, or you were a school teacher or a nurse. Those were the things you you didn't see women police officers. Women didn't even generally drive their own cars. It's like we living in a whole nother space. So uh, that's another reason to step out like you've done, and follow your dreams because you're going to impact the next generation. You're changing the world, whether you realize it or or, or not. How old were you when you said, you know what, I know I'm going to be a writer? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was in my 40s, believe it or not. And, um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I was in my 40s when I decided that I was going to write, and I probably would not have even been a writer had I not gone through the experiences in life that I had gone through. And so, um, you know, a lot of us, we write from our past experience, from our pain and and trials and testings that we go through, and, and that's exactly what happened in my case. So in my early, in my 40s, I had went through um, this uh, transition of, of this divorce, and I began to journal my life and how my life had, um, you know, just kind of spun out of control. And when I say that, meaning that because I was going through this, this very hard test, this traumatic time in my life, I didn't have a sense of direction. And so I was being, you know, 
taught. I was being, uh, you know, moved here and there, not just having a foundation, but just really not knowing what was going, you know, to happen next in my life. And so in my in my my early 40s, I decided, you know what, I got a nudge from God to, you know, start writing about the journey that I had been on going through the divorce, but just realizing that at that point, you know, that God had something better for me and I didn't know it. And so penning that first book really, you know, set me off to be able to, you know, write other stories and, and, and do the things that I'm doing right now. Oh my! Again, your story is 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 an amazing one. Now, Paulette, so you were you were new to book writing in your forties, and that alone is an inspiration. Because a lot of people, is, when, when they're younger, or they some people say when you get your forties and fifties, oh, it's you just got to live your life and keep pace. Just don't drop off too much and keep pace. Again, going back to the this morning's quote. We're eternal beings, so there's no age where you get to just maintain. Now, you ju- you juggle so much, Paulette. Okay, so here off-the-shelf listeners. She, Paulette Harper juggles the book writing, which she started in her 40s and just continued, and she's really just blazed the trail. Book writing, book coaching, book marketing, uh, public speaking. Just to begin, how do you <laughs> juggle it all? And not just juggle it all. How do you juggle it all and stay balanced? <laughs> oh my goodness! You know what? Um, it. I just take a day at a time to really be honest with you. And I, I said, you know, of course, I have my own calendar that I have to stick with, and um, just taking it a day at a time. I love the book marketing because I'm I'm helping other authors promote their work, but in the process, I still have to promote my own work as well. And so Mm. I try to use all the hours and minutes and seconds that God gives me to do something, you know, whether it's marketing other people, it's either marketing myself, you know, or it's writing, or I'm looking for, you know, different speaking engagements and whatnot. And so, um, you know, with being able to market other people, you know, I can, you know, calendar them. So, I, you know, I have that, but that's already on a pre-schedule, you know, so I know who I'm going to market, who's coming up next, who virtual book tour I'm going to be doing. So that's all structured, you know. It's everything else in my life that I have to, you know, fit around that because that's my service, that's my, you know, business that I that I offer. So my writing um, comes in where I have, you know, moments where, you know, I can't look at television, you know, or I can't go somewhere because I have to pin something. And then my speaking comes along with, you know, usually that's, you know, on, you know, a Saturday or event like that. So I really have to, you know, um, set a calendar, um, you know, set time apart from everything else to do, you know, stuff just for Paulette. Mm 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 mm. <laughs> oh my goodness! And you 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 and you figure out a way 
way to do it. Somebody said we we will find a way to do what we really want to do. Now, mm-hmm. we want to start talking about your anthology, especially Arise from the Ashes, for listeners who really need that message. But we, before we get into it, we have so many listeners with different backgrounds, writers, readers, and people who just tune in looking for inspiration. Uh, before we launch in again to your latest work, I wanted to ask you, is Love, Hope, Faith, is that the first anthology that you worked on? And what was the experience of contributing to, I always think an anthology with so many different writers, what's that experience like? Um, actually, that was probably my third anthology that I had worked with uh, another oh group goodness. of authors. With yeah, um, I actually did my first anthology with uh, Cheryl Pullins, and that was back in two thousand and nine. And so, um, it is a, a an awesome experience to share the platform with other women who have stories that are so empowering and so encouraging, stories of triumph, stories of hope, stories of loss, stories of pain and gain. And so to meet these women and we share a common goal, and that's to get our message out, um, it was very empowering and very enlightening. uh, One of the great things about being in an anthology with the very first one I did with, with Cheryl Pullins, there were maybe about 20, 25 women in that anthology, and we all met in Florida, and that was amazing. Here you are connecting with women all around the world, and you don't even know if you're ever going to meet them. And so we had that book launch. We met each other. It was amazing because we developed relationships with one another. The book brought us together. Our stories brought us together, but it's the relationship that keeps things going. And so that was amazing. And then um, the one you mentioned about um, Faith, Hope, and Love, um, I did that one, uh, a contributing writer with Vanessa Miller. And, you know, when you're able to share your story with other women and you're you're able to share your platform and they're sharing their platform and you're supporting one another and everybody message is getting across. Everybody message is getting presented. It's not just my message, but it's the whole, you know, collaboration of authors. And so that is very rewarding, you know, and for anyone who, you know, has never did an anthology before, but you want to write a book, this is a great opportunity for anyone because you only have to, you know, submit one chapter, you know, whatever the the um, the word count is guideline. So, um, you know, being part of one, it, it has been so amazing. And then, you know, you have another book that you can, you know, you have another product that you can sell. And so that's the great thing about doing an anthology. Now tell us about the story that you wrote for Love, Hope, Faith, the the particular story you wrote. Well, that particular story I share about, um, you know, trusting and believing God for reconciliation with, um, you know, with, with, with children. And so um, I share about the breakup or the disconnect, I should probably say, between, um, you know, me and my kids and how, you know, I was trusting God to bring that reconciliation. And so the thing about doing an anthology is, you know, we can we can talk about so many things that go on in our lives. And so for me it was really 
you know, hoping and trusting that God would bring, you know, that restoration. So I share about that journey. I talk about, you know, the um the the breakdown. I talk about the um not being able to, you know, have that relationship that you so desire with your your children. And, you know, the things that led up to that and then also, you know, how God, you know, was was able to bring the the restoration and and the hope uh in the midst of you know, not having uh, things go the way that you you would want them to go. Oh mercy! Do they do they ever go away? Was there ever <laughs> a time before we go into a rise from the ashes? And I love that title. Was there ever a time? Again, uh, I'm I'm focused on the, the right now the piece you wrote for love, hope, faith. Was there ever a time when you learned that the best thing that you could do, Paulette, in a specific experience the very best you could do was not to research or pray or meditate or read scriptures or keep asking questions but the very best or pick up the phone and call somebody but was there ever a time when you learned that the very best thing you could do in a specific experience was to simply let go just let go Mm -hmm. don't do nothing else just let go and turn and go in an entirely different direction. Yeah, many times. <laughs> you know, I, I think once we, you know, we've, we've done all that we could do, you know, whether it's the praying and, you know, the meditating, the things you named, you know, the the counseling, um, you know, getting other people to agree with you and whatnot. And so you do all the necessary things that you believe is going to help you in that situation. But then it does come a point in in our lives where we just have to say, okay, I'm just going to let that go. Not so much that you're giving up on it, but that your energy is not going to be exhausted anymore in that situation, you know. And I think mm-hmm. when we learn to let things go, that's when we allow, we really allow God to come in and change the situation, you know, if that's the will of God for our lives in that. And so many times I found I found myself just saying, okay, I'm just going to let that go, you know, because I can, you know, fix it, I can't change it, and there's no need for me holding on to something that I can't uh, make a change in. So let me just let God do it. You know, let me go on and let me not respond the same way that I've been responding. Let me not um, exert all my energy into thinking about what pers- what someone didn't do, what they did do, how they didn't respond. So many times, Denise, I've had to do that. And I have found that once I've done that, I have had so much peace because I didn't allow the situation to deter my emotions anymore. I didn't give that situation any more power over my life. I didn't give that situation any more energy, and I just let go, and I moved in the direction in which I found joy, I found peace, I found contentment, and I'm able to be at peace with not even bothering with certain things in life anymore or even situations in life or even people in life, you know, because the only person that can change any kind of situation um, is God. And so when I let go of things that I can't fix, then for me it's about just resting and being at peace with with 
what life brings to me, and I know that as long as God is the center of my life, things are going to work out. Awesome, awesome message. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for what you <laughs> shared. I know you bless, bless me and I'm sure many, many others who listen right now and who will listen to the archives to your response to that question. Now, how did you pick? You said, you know, and you made a good comment. If for our off-the-shelf listeners who might say, you know what, I want to write a, be a published author, but the novel might just seem a little too formidable to them right now, doing a piece in an anthology, and a good quality anthology is a good way, like Paulette said, to get started. Now, how did you pick the authors? How did you select the authors who contributed to the new anthology, Arise from the Ashes? Well, I sent out a um, an announcement on Facebook and then also through my newsletter that I was accepting submissions for this anthology. And so one of the requirements was basically just send me a blurb about what your chapter is going to be about. And so once they submitted that, and um, I knew that it fit into the synopsis of what I wanted the book to be about, then I went with, you know, those authors. And so, you know, I really wasn't going to turn anyone down because I believe that everybody has a story. I believe that it just it, – it, it, it's just a, ma- a matter of putting that story in, in dialogue content that it's, you know, it's in a way in which a reader can really identify with. And so, you know, the the, the six ladies, you know, they, they answered the call. They were committed about it. Um, several of them, this was their first time writing for, you know, an anthology, writing a book. And so, of course, they are excited about being able to do it. And so, and that's the great thing about, you know, the anthology. We share in the, um, you know, the content. We share in that word count. And so, you know, there are many aspiring writers who are just sitting back because they think that they have to write, you know, this 25, 30,000-word script. Sure you can, and sure you will, but if you're not there yet, then, of course, an anthology would be great because, you know, you're only required to, you know, do, you know, 1,000 words, 2,000 words, depending on the guideline. And so it is a, a great way to become a published author. It is a great way to get your skills, um, you know, um, hone in on your skills. It is a great way for people to get to know who you are as a writer, and it's a great way for you to have that uh, accomplishment that you are a published writer. And so you're, you just sent the, uh, the, uh, the criteria, the guidelines out. So, that's, so, don't, so don't be intimidated if you're um, – a would-be writer or currently a writer and you want to get more exposure and maybe you want to join an anthology with some authors who have some traction, you can write on that. Uh, just just submit, just submit. The worst you could do, Paulette didn't turn anybody away, but the worst you could do is be maybe giving some structured guide, guidance or feedback and uh, uh, you, you can keep, you don't get accepted to that anthology, but that doesn't mean you don't stop trying. And then you might get accepted. And, uh, again, you could have other authors who are established that you could work with. And also I think another good thing about an anthology for our listeners is you're going to be marketing a book with several writers, and that's mm-hmm. a, that's more empowering 
marketing as well. Now, what is the central theme of Arise from the Ashes, and why did you choose this theme? Um, the central theme of Arise from the Ashes, it, it's, it's seven women with seven stories and one Jesus. And so we're talking about every one of these women who have a story to share of a life transition, of something that altered their lives, something that uh, made them go into a different direction in life. It's a story about empowering. It's a story about shedding tears. It's a story about hope. And so it's really a story about these women who have um, gone through life who have not been um who have been so challenged by life in itself but they've learned to resolve they've learned to bounce back they've learned to um you know not let life keep them stuck they've learned to trust god and in the process they are victorious women and so you know the theme of the book really gives us hope Every story is about hope. Um, one of the stories in the book, uh, one of the sisters, you know, had cancer. So she talks about that. Um, one of the um, sisters in the book, you know, she had walked away from God, and she talks about how her life was just on um, destruction. And so coming back to the Lord has just changed her life. And so, you know, one of the stories is about a, a sister and her mom with Alzheimer's. So we have stories like that that can resonate with any reader, you know. And so, and I think that's the great thing about an anthology because everybody's story is so different. And so there are readers mm. out there whose who, life can identify with something a reader or something, you know, one of the writers has have written. So Arise from the Ashes really is stories of women who have really rose to the to the call, rose to the occasion of not allowing the storms of life to really uh, rain on their goals and rain on their aspirations because, you know, I mentioned one of them going through cancer. You know, when you hear about cancer, all you know, for some people it could be a death sentence, but for some people it could be, no, I'm going to trust God in it. So those are stories that are so encouraging and so empowering. Now, did you edit, did you edit and uh, complete all the publishing aspects of a, of a rise from the ashes every for every story yeah you know what i have a i have a team that works with me so i have two editors um a graphic designer a formatter and so um you know the the editing i don't do the edits but my my editors do and so we had a time where you know they would submit their work um, I sent it to my editor. She did two or three rounds of edits on it and then a proofreader. So I'm able to, um, you know, take a, a person's chapter and, you know, send it out to the editor and make it look as good as it possibly can. And then, um, then of course, I have the, the graphic designer who did the cover and then the, the formatter as well. So I have a group of people helping me because I know that I cannot do it alone. And it takes other people that are more skilled than I am to be able to get a, a book done and published that it looks as it, it looks really good and it flows good because I have professional editors doing the work. 
Now, why is it important? Back to arise from the ashes. And again, we go through different stages. I've gone through periods in my life when I felt so full of joy and love and peace and just excitement and just and I've gone to the bottom. <laughs> I felt like, <laughs> oh God, I just take me now, Lord. I can't do it. I can't go no more. <laughs> I, and then being in the middle, we're in the middle. And again, back to the uh, today's quote, I felt like. Have I lived this same day 5,000 times? <laughs> like, it just keeps repeat, repeat, repeat. So to, to have the courage to let go and let something new new form in your life. So these things arise from the ashes. This is a book I think that anybody, no, maybe you're not going through a divorce or a loved one just passed or a disease, but something in the person going through that specific Maybe you're going through a job loss, and somebody else is uh, what they do going through a sickness. You can it's that there's something relatable, and you can get something out of their story, like they could out of your story if you were to share your story with them. This is what I love about this anthology: "Arise from the Ashes." Paulette, why is it important talking "Arise from the Ashes"? Why is it important that we not let disappointments, because we're gonna face them. Define our our life purpose. Why is that important, Paulette? Because you know what I I think that if we once we allow disappointments to define us, we get stuck on that disappointment. We get stuck on those results. And so, um, for anyone that because we we are always going to be disappointed in life. We're disappointed on our jobs. We're disappointed about our health. We're disappointed about how we look. We're disappointed about, you know, some things we didn't get, you know, some prayers unanswered. Um, so we're always going to be disappointed. And so that comes with just living. And so if we allow every disappointment to define who we are, that means that I'm giving the power to that disappointment. I'm giving, you know, all my 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 energy to that disappointment and the results of that. And so I have learned that in the midst of all my disappointments in life, I'm not going to allow the results of that disappointment to deter the purpose in which you know, I believe I was created for. I'm not going to allow it to deter my goals and my dreams, you know. And so um, we can't allow disappointment to lead us because, um, you know, we're always going to be disappointed, you know. And so we we need to um, channel, you know, the disappointments so that we're we're doing something other than, you know, succumbing to that disappointment. And so for me, I have just determined, you know, that in life disappointments are going to come. But you know what? I always look at things in a way that if God closes one door for me, he's definitely going to open up another. And so my whole attitude has to change. My perspective of life has to change. My belief factor has to change. My mindset has to change. And so I allow disappointments to drive me. I allow it to motivate me. And I allow it to get me to a place where I'm going to be in position of being open to new ways, new avenues, other adventures. And so you you use that disappointment in life to just really channel you to be able to do other things because surely there's other things that we can do in life that won't um that we, that will get us the results that we definitely are looking for. 
Now, are there signs? I know you do coaching, but around books and you do public speaking. Are there signs, and also as an ordained elder, from your work with the people who have crossed your path, are there signs that we're living below our full potential? And if so, what are some of those signs? You know, we I was thinking about this recently. The world the world and, and, and God's ways are totally different. And that 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 you couldn't say that loud enough. Totally and completely different. You look out at the world and I remember from when I was a kid I started doing that. And the world sets a standard. Like you have to of course, get at your high school, finish high school, get your diploma, uh, get a college degree, and then you need to go get a job. Just get a job, and and preferably now we hear get a job you love, and then you go to, you have to go work in the same location every day, even if it's not really necessary for the, you to be there. You still got to be there, and so the world kind of it does do a lot of dictating on our day to day, whether we want it to. Or not, and before you know it, you follow the world's way, and then you might start not to feel your best. You can start to feel small, and you just got caught up in the cycle without even knowing it. And people were applauding you as you went along, and you got your diploma, and you got your degree, and you got a job, and they were applauding you, and you they you going right into a cycle that billions of people have gone into. Are there signs? that we are living below our full potential, but the world might be going, yeah, you're doing great. And if so, what are those signs? <laughs> yeah, I have to totally agree with you on that. Um, I think some people are, you know, and, of course, everybody, you know, they, they measure their own, you know, success, um, you know, differently. But I think, you know, there are so many options for us. And, you know, when, when one option closes, there's another option for us. And so, yeah, I think that some people do um, or have not achieved above their potential because they have, you know, agreed with what the world says, you know, or agreed with what someone else says about them. And so, you know, I, the people that, you know, I try to encourage and to help to reach their full potential, you know, when I'm coaching them and, and you're ministering to them, you know, because there's so much more in life that we can do, you know. And so, you know, for instance, if, if you know, somebody wants to, you know, write a book and all they kept saying is, I want to write a book, I want to write a book, you know, but never do it, then, of course, they're not reaching their full potential because they have an, um, they, they, they are inspired to do it, but then they don't do it, you know. And so there's always um, things that we can do to better ourselves. There are always options that we can, you know, we can take that's going to help us move along, um, you know, in this journey called life. And so, you know, some people just kind of get stuck and comfortable with just working, you know, nine to five, but there's more to life than that. You know, there's, you know, there's so many things that people can tap into within themselves that can just really blossom their lives and just open up other doors of opportunities for them. And so if if a person just, you know, if they're just stuck right where they are and they feel that they, you know, there's more to life, yeah, there is. There is a lot more to life. And you have to just learn how to find that which, you know, you resonate with, find that, um, you know, that niche, find that, find out who you are 
and your potential to be beyond where you are right now, and you'll be amazed at the opportunities that come your way. You know, and I thank you for sharing it. Speaking again, rise, arise from the ashes. Arising from the ashes, I don't think just means you're coming from the bottom, like maybe a near a near death experience or, or whatever it is. Not that that's the bottom, because again, I believe we're eternal beings. But arise from the ashes could also coming out of that mediocrity, coming out of that. You, the world might say you're doing phenomenal. But you know you're not clicking on all cylinders. You know you're not. <laughs> so coming out of that, that arise from the ashes. And, again, that's a good thing about the anthology and people uh, are off-the-shelf listeners getting the book and, and reading those stories. How did they come out, even if you're in a place where it doesn't feel like the world would say you're on the bottom but you know you're nowhere near what you could be doing right now. Maybe some of those stories will resonate with you, and you can start to arise out of mediocrity, which is also also ashes. Before we go on um, and talk about some of your other books, again, I'm going back to you with your your ministry and the, the, the work you do there. Why do we settle for safe? Why do we settle for safe instead of, Again, the world literally, If to our listeners, if you look out over your life, you can see whether you've been following, even if you go to church and you read the Bible and you pray and you tithe, you can still be following what the world is telling you to do, and you never do what the sins in the Bible. You don't cheat, you don't lie, you still might not be following what the Spirit is telling you to do. Why do we settle for safe? You know, and I, I think, you know, sometimes because we're so comfortable with that, you know, um, and we don't want to trust God with the unknown because it takes faith to do that. We get so comfortable with where where we are because um, I know for me, I like stuff in order. I like knowing how my day is, is going to go. I like knowing that, okay, 9 to 5, I'm going to be doing my doing this, doing this. I like things all planned out. But it's when life, you know, deals you some blows that makes you uncomfortable, that shakes you out of your core, and God allows a, a test or a trial to come in your life, and you have no alternatives around you. You have no answers around you except trusting in him. And so we get real safe because we don't want to take that step of faith because that's exactly what it is. It's taking a step of faith. It's not knowing how it's going to turn out. We know it's going to turn out really good because we trust God in it, but we don't know how it's going to turn out. We don't even know when it's going to turn out, you know. And so, you know, we can't be safe anymore. We can't feel like... um, you know, where we are, we can't be comfortable just where we are. You know, we have to take those steps because it's in those places, it's in those steps of faith that, you know, we're going to have to trust God with our lives and have to trust God with, you know, the journey that that we are definitely on. And so, um, you know, as I mentioned for myself, I'm real comfortable about being in certain environments in a certain place. And so, even when I was going through the divorce, I wasn't thinking about writing. But God pushed me 
you know, to be mm. able to write. So I was uncomfortable about writing my own story. I was uncomfortable about sharing my own experience. I was definitely uncomfortable about talking about a failed marriage. I was uncomfortable, but that was how God pushed me to be able to share my story. And so being in that uncomfortable place, I found comfort because I knew that I was doing what God had wanted me to do. Wow. Yeah, you guys, I tell you, rising from the ashes and coming out of this 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 safe comfort, you're going to end up splat right there where billions of other people's lives were. Uh, and the world will say you did a good job, but your own spirit, your mm-hmm. own true essence will say, no, you, did, you should have took off. You should have soared. <laughs> Look at all the other things you could have done. So, I mean, that is so important to follow what the Lord and what the part of us that's connected to God is calling you to do. Because the world will tell you again, get a diploma, get a degree. Not that those things are bad, and get a get a job. And you twenty years into a job, realizing you haven't enjoyed that job in fifteen years, but it's still mm. is a regular paycheck. I really mm-hmm. salute people. I'm telling you, who just launched? And a lot of all these people ain't always in church. They had the courage and the faith to just take a leap. And I, I really commend those people. I want to talk about some of your other books, Paulette. Can you give us an overview of Secret Places? Sure. Secret Places Revealed is an inspirational romance. And um, the story behind Secret Places is Second Chances at Love. Um, both of the um, the characters uh, in that book, they're not looking for love. Um, they both have itch from the past that they don't, you know, really want to to deal with, but they realize that in order for them to even have a relationship with one another that they're going to have to deal with, you know, their past. And so Secret Places Revealed um, is one of those um, romance stories that make you, you know, you, you identify with, you know, dealing with past relationships, dealing with, you know, um, breakups, dealing with loss, dealing with trust, dealing with unforgiveness. And so um, Secret Places Revealed, I, I love writing that as my first, you know, inspirational novel. And so being able to pen a romance story um brought great joy to me because I took two characters who were fighting against being in love with one another to finally getting them to be in love with one another. And so it's a great story (laughs) for anyone. It's it's a great story for those who like romance, those who like inspirational romance, those who like clean romance. And, um, you know, it's a story about, you know, identifying with issues that resonate with people. They're, they're, you know, they may not be real characters, but when you read the story, you will find that you can talk to these characters, you can tell these characters, you, you shouldn't have did this, you shouldn't have did that, why she do that, why he do that, I hate him, I hate her, why they didn't do this, you know. So it's one of those books that definitely will pull, um, pull that out of the reader. Okay. Can you tell you do so much, and I'm going to try to touch on a lot of different things that you do. 
with with less than ten minutes in the, in the show today. Can you tell us about some of your signature uh, talks that you do as a public speaker? Are there certain themes that you stick to as a public speaker? Question number one, and then this just popped into my head. And and then uh, to piggyback on that first question, so first of all, what are some of the signature talks that you give as a public speaker? And piggybacking on that, is that a, would you recommend that book writers get involved in public speaking to get more exposure. Okay. So some of the topics that I, uh, some of my topics that I deal with when I speak, um, of course it depends on the, um, the, the, um, the convert the the people that are there at the at the you know at the meeting, um, and what the theme may be. But I talk a lot about and I speak a lot about unforgiveness. I speak a lot about bitterness. Mm. I I speak a lot about letting go. Um, I speak a lot about unmasking, and so I share from my own experience. And so the unmasking is an area that I teach about because that's one of the things that I did. I masked a lot of my emotions and and what I was really feeling. And so um, I talk a lot about, um, you know, trusting and and having faith in God. So those are some of the topics that I speak on. And, you know, if if I'm, you know, asked to speak at an event and they have a particular theme, then I will speak you know, and I'll tailor my my speaking, um, you know, around that particular topic. And then um, your second question about, you know, writers and speaking, yes, definitely. Um, one of the things that has helped me is because, you know, I've been able to, as a minister, to be able to speak to different um, people from all walks of life, and so I can, you know, tailor a, a talk around them or minister, you know, my message to them. But speaking definitely does help authors, you know, develop their skill at speaking because you can take your book and you can talk about, you know, points in your book and and share those, you know, points. Especially if you have written something, um, a nonfiction work, you know, you can take you know, some bullet points out of your, your book and you can tailor a talk around those points, you know, and you can go and talk to different organizations and women's groups and, you know, young you know, young women's groups and book clubs and all those things. So yes, definitely, um any writer I think once they've written a book they should be able to or um go to that next step would be, you know, of course, you know, sharing and speaking. What 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 does again you you see I for our off the shelf listeners I remember when Paulette came out with her first book and then I, she got involved in the book marketing and scheduling people on radio shows and book blogs and now the public speaking and here is another question another area that you stepped into what does a book coach do we know a book editor a book publicist. Uh, a publisher, a book marketer, what does a book coach do? Yeah, um, my coaching, what I do is um, I offer that services for aspiring writers who want to write a book. They just don't know. They don't know what it entails. They don't know anything about, you know, the publishing industry. And so when I'm coaching someone, 
Um, I find out where they are. I've coached, you know, writers where they've written a manuscript, but they don't know what to do next. I've worked with uh, writers who are just in, you know, the first two chapters and they're stuck and they don't know where to go next. And so what I do is I take a writer right where he or she is and I find where they need to be. And so I tailor a um, you know, a, a sessions around that to get them to, to the to the place of where they are a published writer, a published author. And so my coaching really is having them be accountable to me, giving them sessions, giving them weekly um, lessons that they need to do, giving them assignments that they need to follow, and making sure that we stay on goal and stay on point to get their book published at whatever given time that they want to publish their book. And so my coaching really is keeping them accountable, keeping them on schedule, keeping them on their goals, keeping them on their track, keeping them uh, focused on the end result, and that's ultimately getting their book published. Okay. So you you and do you have any stories where somebody had spent, let's say, two or more years saying, "I want to write a book." They they met you, started working with you with you through your book coaching services. And now they are a published author. Yeah, you know what? I actually, it, this was years ago, I had did several workshops. And so, um, you know, of course, there was probably about 20 people in this workshop. So, of course, everybody in the workshop, they want to write a book. And so, finally, <laughs> there were a couple people that finally, after, you know, maybe five years, finally finished their book, you know, and oh, okay. so, uh, yeah, so they finally finished their book, and so, you know, some people just take longer, you know, than others, and so um, most of the clients that I have really been working with, they have either, um, you know, finished a novel, finished their book, they just don't know what to do, how to promote it, what's next. I worked with someone <laughs> that didn't quite know which direction she wanted to go in. She had a couple, uh, you know, stories that she wanted to write, and so she was vacillating between the two. And, you know, I tried to gear her to make a decision as to, okay, which one are you going to do so we can focus on that so we can get, you know, that one done. And so it really, you know, depends on the the needs of every client and where they are and really where they want to go. Okay. Those are fabulous stories, even if it took five years uh, to have that, to know that you had that impact. I was listening to, um, I forget, I think it was Les Brown, and he, he said well, the number one thing people, when they pass, we leave our bodies, that regret is something, a dream that they all have had but never fulfilled. So that I think that's amazing for you to be a part of something, Paulette, where somebody might be able to scratch that off their list because of something mm-hmm. you you said or you helped coach them through. Are you working on any other books right now, Paulette? And if so, can you give us a glimpse into those new works? Sure. Yeah, um, Denise, I'm actually working on another anthology. It is entitled Women Who Soar. So I'm looking for women who have not allowed no to stop them. I'm looking for women who are doing some great exploits. I'm looking for women who have had 
doors closed on them, but they kept knocking and kept knocking and kept plowing and kept mm. plowing, and the doors finally came open, and now they're living to share their stories. So I'm looking for these women to be in this Women Who Soar. And so um, that anthology is going to be released um, hopefully at the end of this year. If not, it will be the first part of 2019. Um, people can, you know, connect with me to get more information about women who soar because I'm definitely, you know, looking for, you know, trailblazers, entrepreneurs. I'm looking for ministers. I'm looking for moms, sisters. I'm looking for any woman who has a story to share, who wants to, um, you know, talk about their journey, talk about being a doctor, talk about being a lawyer, talk about how they got to be, you know, an engineer or a judge. I want to hear stories like that, you know, because in the in the the midst of being accomplished, you've gone through something in life, you know. And I want to hear those stories. Absolutely. I want to be able to share, you know, I want to be able to share those stories. So Women Who Soar is my next anthology. And so I'm really focused in on getting women to be part of that. And so I'm, you know, I have an, um, I'm on Facebook. Um, anybody that wants to, you know, get information about the anthology, they can email me at Paulette at paulitteharper.com. They can connect with me on Facebook as well so that I can give them, you know, information about being part of the book, the book, the book collaboration. And where can off-the-shelf listeners get copies of your books, including the new anthology, Arise from the Ashes? They can go to Amazon. I am on Barnes & Nobles and all those um, uh, outlets where they can, you know, Upload a copy on any format, ebook, and also on uh, in paperback. I'm on iTunes as well, and so every available outlet out there where people can get copies of my book, they can. Okay, so we have enjoyed Miss Paulette Harper this morning. What a wonderful interview, and so many things that you shared bless me, and I'm sure our many off-the-shelf listeners who tuned in live and those who will tune in via the archives. Now, Paulette, she's an author, ordained elder, public speaker, book coach, book promoter, and she's working on a new Women Who Soar anthology. Her latest published anthology right now is Arise from the Ashes. And I encourage you to support Paulette by getting one or more of her books or anthologies and visiting her Online, and you can bookmark her page to keep up with what she's doing, and that's pauletteharper.com, P A U L E T T E H A R P E R.com, pauletteharper.com. Thank you so much for being here with us on Off the Shelf on this July the 21st, Paulette. And I just wanted to reread the, uh, this morning's uh, quote that we started out with as we close today's show, and the quote is from Simone de. Before, I hope I said her name uh, correctly. I tore myself away from the safe comfort of certainties through my love for truth, and truth rewarded me. So I encourage you to do that. And if you came in on the show midstream, when it finishes a stream, and you can go back and listen to it in its entirety and in the archives, I encourage you to share this show with book lovers everywhere, and women who soar so they can connect with Paulette to get into the Women Who Soar anthology. If you're a writer or somebody who wants to write a book, you could connect with Paulette through her website, 
PaulaHarper.com or her email, which she gave out, to check to see if she, you could work with her as a book coach as well. And she also does book marketing for, for our listeners. I hope today, if you're in a place where you're living mediocrity, medi- a mediocre, mediocre life, and the world is telling you you're just where you should be, the world is telling you you got a job, you got a regular check coming in, but something in you is telling you you live in small. I hope that you will arise from the ashes and become a woman or a man who soars. And those anthologies are so in such a good order that Paulette set them into. Arise from the ashes and become somebody who soars because that's what we were created to do. Remember, you are awesome. You are amazing. You're fabulous. That's not just a nice thing to say. You are because we're created in the image of our creator. So go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. Just wherever you are, tell yourself if you're at the bottom, I'm going to do something today. I might not go from the bottom to the top today, but I'm going to take a step forward. I encourage you to do that. Remember, tune in to Off the Shelf Radio Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. Just set your dial to Off the Shelf Radio for 11 a.m. on Saturdays. Paulette, I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you, Denise.